0: Guten Morgen. Good morning. Yeah, well he did really well with that last name, didn't he? It's Kocherscheid. Yeah. We uh, we lived in South Carolina for four years together. I went to college and seminary there and when I would introduce myself to people, they would say, bless you. And <laughs> uh, I said, no, no, that's my name. Um, it's not a throat disease or anything like it. And yes, we do come from Germany. We actually live on the border to France and Switzerland, and I did go out of the country to marry. I um, married a French lady. Please don't hold that against her. <laughs> um, she's wonderful, and we actually celebrated. Is there a picture up? No, we didn't get it. Well, would you stand up real quick? <laughs> now you know why I went out of the country we actually had our twelfth anniversary on Tuesday and this is the secret to our marriage she doesn't speak German and I don't speak French (laughs) and that works perfect for us it's actually true we speak English together we have three children two of them are here Casey and Kenny our boys Casey's nine and Kenny is seven and then we have a daughter Clara she's 11 I'm I'm sure she's with Mariah Yeah, good yeah, that's, that's us in a nutshell. Um, and I'm really honored to be here. Since we've met Dave and Susie, I've signed up for the podcast. So I've been listening to your sermons weekly, seen some on YouTube. And it's exciting to finally be here and, and meet you and be at K2 and have an opportunity to speak. And the, the talk is the topic is the touch of God. And I don't know how you are, I am a very touchy person. I love touching, I love hugging, I'm very affectionate, and we're all different, not everybody has that tendency, but I think we all need touch to a degree. I've read about um, tests that they've done with little children who weren't touched at all, and they wouldn't survive without physical loving touch from people. And so touch is a very powerful thing. It can be a powerful thing very positively. the first touch of a, of a loved one. I remember when I was pursuing Sandrine and we actually met in Paris, not Paris, Texas, but Paris, France. Uh, we went to Bible college together there and I was pursuing her hard. And then dating in Europe works a little differently. We had spent a lot of time, we'd go on walks and I would walk her home and, and, and all that good stuff. And then one day we actually said, okay, we're going to go into Paris, we're going to go watch a movie. And that was our first real date together. And it was on that date that I revealed my never-ending love to her. And I'm sure she knew that already. And um, I told her that I would like a deeper relationship with her. And she said, Hi, I need some time to think about that. Well, ten minutes later, we're walking down the Champs-Élysées, under the lights, and we're talking, and all of a sudden, her hand just kind of slipped into mine. And it was this first touch, and it was electrifying and wonderful, but she said she needed some more time to think about it. I thought it'd be more than 10 minutes, but <laughs> it was fine with me. That was just fine with me. Then, a few months later, um, actually, about a, a year later, shortly after we had gotten engaged, my father died in a car accident very suddenly. And I remember. A friend of mine, driving down 600 kilometers, what, I don't know, 400 miles or so, he had lost his dad to cancer a few months earlier. I came home that day, and there he was, I didn't know he was coming. And just his presence and his understanding hug <laughs> was so powerful. Touch is so powerful. It can also be powerful negatively. And I'm sure we've all experienced that, an angry slap in the face by a parent maybe. Or even with with little kids in in kindergarten or school, a a rejecting shove can do so much to people. Touch is so powerful. And I've tried to come up with a definition of what, what is touch. And this is what I would say touch is. Touch is a close, or intimate experience of someone's presence in your life. A closer intimate experience of somebody's presence in your life, and that can be positive or negative. And if we're wired as humans so much for touch, that have this need for touch, I believe that reflects a spiritual need in our life, a need for God's touch in our lives, for experiencing His intimate presence in our lives. And really, all religions and all belief systems are an attempt to reach that touch, to to experience something greater than ourselves in our lives. And I believe that we're created with that urge, this urge to experience God's touch in our lives, to be connected with our Creator. And you know, as as Christians, and you know, in our church in Germany, we sing this song: um, "I want to touch you. You I want to touch you. I want to see your face." And oftentimes I wonder, what, when I sing that, what does that mean? What, what does it mean that I want to touch God? How, how can I touch God? What do I really want? When I sing that, what do I mean with that? I can't touch Him physically. It's spiritual. So what does that mean? And again, I think what we're really talking about is experiencing God, God's presence intimately in our lives. But I think it's more about God touching us than us Touching God. And as Mike already said this morning, with this touch of God come challenges. And that's what we want to have a look at this morning at these challenges. One of those challenges is the challenge of expectations. I think when we seek experiences, whether that's an experience with God or with other people, we always come to those experiences with a certain set of expectations. We have um, a certain idea of what it should look like, what it should feel like, how it should go, and what it should do to us. And having things go different from, from what we expected it to be like can be quite a letdown, can it? And this morning, we want to look at a story in the Bible, in the New Testament in Luke, chapter 17, where we find a group of men who are desperately and urgently seeking the touch of Jesus in their lives. And they have a very clear idea and expectation of what that touch should be like and what it should do to them. But I don't really want to read the story. If you want to open it up, it's in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. But what I want to do is tell you the story. What we get here in Luke chapter 17 is the bare basics. And I want to tell you, take you a little deeper into the background of these men and into the background of this culture. And we want to see what this experience that these men had could mean to us today here. So we, we find a, a group of men here in, in Luke chapter 17, ten men to be exact. And these ten men have one thing in common. They've all been rejected by their society. And not just by their society, but by their families, by their friends, and by their loved ones. They probably haven't seen them in a long time. They all live in a, co- in a colony, under quarantine. And when people see them outside of their colony, they would turn in disgust and pity, they would turn away from them and try and get as much distance between themselves and these men as possible. These men had leprosy, uh, at the time an incurable disease, a disease that would numb their nerves. They wouldn't feel it if they cut themselves, they wouldn't feel it if they, if they hurt themselves. And so, living in, in, in these conditions, Animals would start eating away at their fingers, at their ears and nose, and they would lose limbs, and they'd be terrible to look at. When people would see them, they would take their children and cover their eyes. People wouldn't dare look at them. It was not a pretty sight. They wouldn't look at them, let alone touch them. These men probably haven't been touched by healthy people in years. So these men live in this colony, but somehow they heard about this healer. They heard about this miracle worker called Jesus of Nazareth, and somehow they heard that he was coming through their area, that he would be close enough that they could try and get to him. Now, they heard all these stories of him healing, healing lame people and and lepers and blind people and raising people from the dead, And, and they start to think, could this happen to us? Would we dare hope that this could happen to us? Would we dare approach Him with this? Would we dare hope we could be healed and restored? And I'm sure they must have had discussions among themselves. Some of them must have been in this colony for years and years and come to the point of disillusionment where they think, Nob- nobody can help us. We've been, we've been rejected. We're as good as dead. But they came to the point... These men, these 10 men came to the point where they decided, you know what? Where we are, we have nothing to lose. They have nothing to lose besides another finger or an earlobe. So the day comes when they know and they hear the buzz around town probably as they're out begging. This Jesus of Nazareth is coming, coming through. And for them, this was already a big step of faith to even decide to leave their colony and and come close enough to where they could reach Jesus or approach Jesus. And as they were making their way out of their, their colony, they had to yell, unclean, unclean, and warn people of their presence to give healthy people a chance to get away from them. Can you imagine that? The the rejection that they had experienced over years made them keep their distance. We read here in chapter 17 that they stayed at a distance from the town and from where Jesus would come, but close enough where they could see. And then came the point when Jesus, I don't know if he came over a hill or out of a forest or around a bend, but the point came where they could see him. And they took all their guts together and yelled, Master, Jesus, have mercy on us. They didn't even come and say, Jesus, heal us. They just said, Lord, have mercy on us. And what did Jesus do? He's still at a distance. He knows these men. He knows what they're coming with, what their desire is, what their heart's condition is. And you know, he doesn't go over to them and lay hands on them and touch them. He doesn't do that. He's done that to other sick people that have approached him. He doesn't yell from a distance, you're healed, go home. He's done that to others. He doesn't do that to them. He doesn't even say, you know, if you do this or that, then you'll be healed. He doesn't do that. You know what he tells them? From a distance, he must have been yelling at him. He said, go and show yourself to your priests. That's all he says. Now, to understand it a little better, we need to know that whenever lepers were healed, it was the law that they first had to go to a priest and the priest as the spiritual authority had to confirm, yes, you are healed, you are clean again. And lepers were, were considered unclean, which means spiritually they were unacceptable. So a priest had to say, yes, you're, you're clean again, you're restored, you can be part of this community again. So Jesus is telling them, go show yourself to the priests. Now, he hasn't healed them. They still have their sores, They're missing fingers, probably a nose and an earlobe. And he tells them, go and act as if you were already healed. That's basically what he's telling them. There's no signs of healing on them, but he's saying, go act as if you are already healed, as if it already happened. Now, for them who haven't been allowed in their society, probably for a long, long time, For them to to think, we're supposed to go into the village, show ourselves to the priest? What is he talking about? This is ridiculous. At that point, I think, for me, if I had been in their shoes, having come with these desperate hopes and really having put it all on the line, this would have been a point where it would have been so easy to get disappointed And for the ones that had kind of been hesitant about this in the first place, they probably would have said, you know, guys, we told you this wouldn't work. Let's just go back. No one can help us. It would have been easy to give up to really lose that last little bit of hope that they had. And haven't we all had experiences like that? Where our expectations in God, maybe in other people, but mostly in God have been Now, unmet, where we've been disappointed, where God had not acted as we had hoped or expected or wanted Him to act in our lives, where faithful prayer went seemingly unanswered, where the partner didn't come back into our lives, where a child didn't get healed, where we did lose that job, Haven't we all been at that point where we feel, God doesn't care, He doesn't listen, He doesn't act the way we want Him to and expect Him to? And I think this is a really hard challenge to accept, but God will not be put in a box of our expectations. He wants to touch our lives and He wants us to experience His presence, but more often than not, it's not on our terms, but on His it's not based on our expectations, but His plan for our life. And all through the New Testament, we see Jesus perform miracles and healings in all kinds of different ways. I-, I can't recall if He ever does a healing the same way. We see blind people being healed by laying hands. We see blind people being healed just by words. One time, Jesus spits in on the ground in the dirt, mixes His spit with the dirt, makes a, a paste and puts it on the blind man's eyes and heals him that way. He will not be put in a box of our expectations. And if you and I, if we want to experience God's touch in our lives, then we have to meet the challenge of expecting the unexpected and roll with it. We have to be ready to expect the unexpected. So, back to our ten guys. there. They're standing there. Jesus just told them to go show themselves to the priest. And they're discussing, what are we gonna do with this? we gonna, are we just gonna give up, go home? This, This was really not worth our effort. Or are we gonna do what Jesus said to do? Well, all we read here really is that they went. Well, I'm sure they had some talk, some conversation about that. But the point is, they did go. They said, okay. Again, what do we have to lose? All the stories we've heard about Jesus, all these healings. Really, what do we have to lose? Let's do it. And they make their way, and they start heading to that place of life, that place of community that they hadn't been in in so long. And as they're walking, I imagine one of them looking over at his friend and said, Whoa, dude, your fingers. That There's fingers there. And he looks back and says, you know, you got a nose, man. Was it that big before? <laughs> and, and as they're going, I don't know if their limbs grew back or not, but it was obvious they were being healed. The sores were gone. The wounds were healing. As they were going, as they were obedient to Jesus, they were being healed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the joy that they must have experienced after years of isolation of rejection of pain and suffering they were being healed and for them this was giving them their life back this was going back to their families this was embracing their spouse, their children this was life again coming back from the dead. Do you see the principle here? oftentimes We don't experience God's touch in our lives because we're scared or afraid to take steps of faith, to act as if it had already happened. And that's quite a challenge, as we've just heard from from these three guys, couples. And, you know, if God calls us here, that will be a huge step of faith. But that's what God asks of us, to take steps of, to take that. Sometimes it's a little step. Sometimes it's a giant leap. But in that step and that leap, God will touch us with His presence in our lives. Hebrews 11.1 1 really defines faith. It says, what is faith? It is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I know most of you have probably seen the movie Indiana Jones, The Raiders of the Lost Ark, where towards the end of the movie he comes, he's in that cave and he needs to get across this, this huge gap and it goes down on hundreds of feet and there's, there's nothing there, he can't see anything, but he sees the, the, the opening on the other side and he knows he needs to get across. And he has this little riddle that basically tells him, you've got to take a step of faith. And I just watched it last night on YouTube, and he stands there and looks down, looks across, and and he goes. And all of a sudden, there's the bridge, and he walks across. And that's a great picture of, of this spiritual truth of stepping into the unknown, and we don't see it. But with God, we can know it's there, and we know we can trust him. And with these 10 guys, it was as they took this giant leap of faith, as they did it, God came in and touched their lives in a life-changing way. And I think in a society like ours in the Western world, this is really, really difficult where safety and security is so important. If you watch commercials, I mean, half of the commercials are about Retirement funds and investment and insurances, and making sure we're safe and we have one, two, three, four levels of safety nets that will catch us if anything goes wrong. We have OnStar in our car, and what is it called? ADT or something protecting our house, you know? And we're safe. But God is asking us to be countercultural, to not count on safety nets, but to count on Him. And in our culture, and we have experienced that as a family, we've lived in, we've been missionaries for nine years now and lived on on support where where we have a group of people that commit to to sending money monthly into our mission agency to pay our salary. And when we first started raising support, even family members who, who are followers of Jesus thought we're crazy. We are crazy, and that will happen whenever we we take steps of faith that just don't seem to make sense. People, even friends, loved ones, family might discourage us from doing that, won't understand, maybe even ridicule us. But if we want to experience God's touch in our lives, His presence, we need to accept the challenge of expecting the unexpected, and we need to be willing to take steps of faith when He's asking us to take them. So back to our 10 guys. Here they are, full of joy and excitement, and they've just been healed, and whoa, life has us back. And so they say, well, let's go to the priest. Let's get this over with so we can get back to our families and loved ones and, and back to life. And they get, they're on their way, and I, I, I can't imagine what that must have been like. But all of a sudden, one of them pauses and stops and thinks, you know, wait a second, I I think I have something else to do first. And he he turns around and goes back to Jesus. His thoughts are not about, wow, I got my life back. What am I going to do with this new life? His thought is about, what am I going to do about the one that gave me that life? What am I going to do about the one that touched me, that healed me? And so he turns around and he goes back and goes back to jesus for the first time in years he doesn't have to yell i'm clean i'm clean get away from me now he can approach him he walks up to jesus and and thanks him and praises him for what he has done in our life in his life and you know i think it's my tendency it's a human tendency to take credit for things you know We've, we've done this. Even, even if we really didn't have a whole lot to do with it, it it's easy to take credit and yeah, we, we made it, we did it, we made it through this. I think of Lance Armstrong, you know, who, who had cancer, almost died, survived. And you know, when he talks about that today and he speaks a lot to, to cancer victims or people that are, that are sick, he says, you have it in you. I beat it, you can beat it. I did it and so can you. And he's become a very proud man. very, very proud man. And it has destroyed several relationships with his wife, with his next partner. He's become very proud. But this guy turns around and says, you know what? It was you, it was Jesus who touched my life. He healed me and he gives credit where credit is due. So how do we respond to God's touch in our life? You know, anybody... Anybody can experience God's touch and God wants, to, wants us to experience his touch. But what do we do with it? Do we write it off as coincidence? And our memory is so short, isn't it? Is it coincidence? Did we do it? Was it just good fortune or do we recognize it as God's touch in our lives? Do we recognize that this is what he has in store for us in a relationship with him? And you know, this is really what this leper came back for. He came back for a relationship with the one that healed him. See, Jesus doesn't just want to fix our problems on a short-term basis. Jesus wants a relationship with us, and that is what this leper came back for. See, I'm convinced that God wants to touch our lives, not just here and there when we're in an emergency situation, but he wants to touch our lives on a daily basis. And he holds so much in store for us and is just waiting to release it in our lives. But it is a challenge. It takes approaching him with boldness like these lepers did. They had to step out of their, their community. They had to really take a step of faith to even approach Jesus and ask boldly. It takes not putting God in a box of our expectations and telling him, you know, Lord, I really need you to do this and, um, and this is how I need you to do it that's not how he works and we need to be willing to take steps and leaps of faith with him and I don't know this is my first time here I don't know hardly any of you I've met a few of you briefly so I don't know where you're at maybe you you're a visitor maybe here for the first or second or third time and you haven't yet decided to follow this Jesus but you you have been feeling him tugging on your heart and you know deep in your heart that He is asking you to take this, this step in His direction, to take a step of faith towards Him. And maybe you didn't grow up in a faith setting at all. Maybe faith was never important in your family growing up, and, and this, is hu- this is not a tiny step for you. This is a huge leap. Or maybe you've grown up in a family where, or in a setting where it was all about doing Doing, doing, doing to reach God and maybe experience Him some way. Where the concept of, you know, it's just by faith that you can experience Him is is new. I just want you to know that Jesus is just waiting for you to take this step towards Him. That He's just waiting to, to prove His presence in your life. And it takes being vulnerable. It takes making yourself really vulnerable. You know I'm convinced that these lepers after Jesus told them just go and show yourselves to the priest," that the reason they went is because of the stories that they've heard all the stories they heard about Jesus healing people touching people's lives and you know you're surrounded here by people who have experienced the touch of Jesus in their heart in their life when they took that step of faith towards him and I encourage you to to ask for those stories, to hear those stories and let them give you confidence to take that step yourself. And maybe you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and, you know, you're in that safe spot where you, you know the right answers, you know what to do and you know what to say and you're just in this safe, comfortable spot. You live life in the safe lane and maybe God is asking you to, to take in, a new step of faith In your walk with him maybe it could be a financial step of faith it could be um signing up for for a missions trip and stepping out of your comfort zone of salt lake city utah or it could mean that you feel you have felt god telling you you know you're supposed to talk to you about your faith to your co-worker or to a family member and boy can that be a step of faith can it maybe that is what god is asking of you to Take an extra step of faith in your walk with Him. And I'm convinced every time we do that, God takes us to a whole new level in our relationship with Him and our experience of Him in our lives. And then there's also, there's always those in a a crowd like this that have just these deep, deep deep-rooted pains and hurts and wounds. Maybe God is taking you to take a gigantic leap of faith of confronting things in your life of forgiveness offering forgiveness to people that are responsible for those wounds and those pains in your life could be forgiving an unfaithful spouse could mean forgiving an abusive parent or a coworker or boss that has humiliated you, but taking such a leap of faith and making yourself vulnerable allows Jesus to touch your life in a life-changing way. And just like these lepers, Jesus wants to give you freedom and a new life. My wife grew up in a very dysfunctional family in France. Her father was a very abusive man violently sometimes, very verbally abusive, um, terrible things took place between him and his wife. And there were deep-seated roots. When I met Sandrine, she had no relationship with her father. He, never, he met me once before we got married at a pizza hut. <laughs> um, there was no relationship. He never came. He wasn't at our wedding. He didn't know our children until Clara was seven, I think, six or seven years old. Because Sandrine couldn't. She couldn't be around him. But I remember one day when she sat down to write a letter to him, offering him forgiveness. And she said, I I can't have a relationship with you until you accept that forgiveness. But it's available and it changed her heart, it set her free in that area, but it was, a, it was a giant leap of faith to offer this man forgiveness. And it has led to reconciliation where he's now a regular member of our life, part of our lives, and he comes to visit and still challenges, but it took that step of faith of offering forgiveness for God to come and heal wounds in Sandrine's life. And then slowly restore relationships and bring freedom. And then in closing, I want to ask the band to, to come up. So, don't put God in a box of your expectations. Allow Him to work the way He wants in your life. And He knows us best. He knows what He needs and wants to do in our lives. And then we need to be willing to take that step of faith. And I just want to encourage you even now and towards the end of the service to be quiet before the Lord and, and ask Him what He might ask of you, what challenge of faith He's putting in front of you, what step or leap of faith He's wanting you to take today or this coming week. And then let's give Him credit. And, and be in a relationship with Him. Let's just not come to Him when there's emergencies in our lives, but let's live this life daily with Him and expect Him to touch our lives on a daily basis. His touch in our life is not the exception, but it's a daily lifestyle. So let's meet that challenge and live with Him. Thank you.